When I hear the term spiritual warfare, it makes me a little bit sad. Epic battles are not really my scene. I don't want to fight anybody. I just want to hang out with you. Why are people afraid of me? I've been trying to figure it out, and I think that it's because of Hollywood. You know, they're all the time sitting around thinking, we got a new story, but no bad guy. Let's do Satan again. Every time they put me in a movie, I'm either really big and scary with a lot of makeup on, big horns, you know, they take my horns thing and they run with it. Or I'm really old and wrinkly. I don't look like that. I'm pretty old. I am old. But I take care of my skin. I exfoliate pretty much every day. And that pays off. But the Bible says that you're crafty and you're deceitful. So the Bible, this old book, has been translated over and over and over and over again. I mean, crafty in that could be totally different than what it originally meant. I personally am crafty. I like to decompress from a day with a good cross stitch, a crochet, and sometimes if I'm in a really good mood, I'll scrapbook. But in your Bible, it says I'm crafty, so everybody thinks that I'm sneaky. Is that even King James Version? Oh, good morning. Glad you guys are with us. If you're brand new, thank, thanks for coming. We know that you could do a lot of things on a Sunday, like, like sleep in or mow the yard or just hang out at the house, but you chose to come and be here and maybe hear something about Jesus and maybe came on the arm of a friend. Uh, I, I would love to meet you, and I will be in the starting point area after church in the next steps room, so come see me. I, I really would like to do that. Um, or if, just as I talk today, we're, we're talking about a, a really difficult subject today, a uh, confusing subject at times, and so you may have questions, and I just invite those questions. Come find me after the service. Don't leave with questions. Come and, and let's talk. Let's have a conversation. I, I would love to do that uh, with you today. Uh, if you have a Bible, let's, let's get it open right now. Let's go to Revelation chapter 12. Uh, while you're looking up Revelation chapter 12, let me just mention this. Uh, some of you want to know an update on Laura and how she's doing. Um, if you didn't hear, Laura had a mass removed about uh, three weeks ago, and she is doing better every day. She's getting stronger every day. Um, she has not been released from the doctor. Uh, we went this week. She's got another three weeks of recovery, and then she'll be released to uh, full-time care back to me. So she'll be caring for me, which we really need to switch it back because I, it's just <laughs> it's going, not going well. Uh, but she's doing well. She's uh, still in bed, but she's gotten up uh, a little bit, and she's walking around, and she's making some good progress. So thank you. Thanks for praying for her. I, I really do appreciate that. We're in our series called The Devil, Demons, and the Boogeyman. If you missed week one, go back, listen to the podcast. You can get all uh, up to date on that. But what we're talking about for the next few weeks is this idea, is the devil real? And uh, what's he up to if he is real? And, and what is it I'm supposed to be doing about that? And so we've been looking at uh, different passages, and uh, we have a couple more weeks to go in this series. We're going to talk uh, next week about how he's the tempter, and then we're going to talk in the final week about the gates of hell, and is hell real, and what is hell, and do people actually go there? We'll do that here in a couple of weeks. But today we're in the book of Revelation. Now, if you're new to church, Revelation is the very last book of the Bible. Uh, I read out of the New Living Translation. So, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we give them away for free. You can get one right up here at the front at the end of the service or back in the next step room. I'd love to put one in your hand. 
or get a mobile device. Just go to corechurch.com. You can download a free Bible on your phone or mobile device if you don't have one. But Revelation is a book that is written by a guy named John. John was one of the disciples of Jesus. Many believe that he was uh, Jesus' best friend. And he wrote this book. He, after Jesus ascended to heaven, he became one of the preachers, and he started a bunch of churches. But people didn't like him proclaiming the gospel, and so he was arrested, beaten, and imprisoned over and over again. Finally, they got so tired of John and the gospel that, that they exiled him to an island, an island where they would just... Uh, send off the outcasts and the people they didn't like in society. Uh, and so he got on the ship, ended up on this island, and he's basically breaking rock and, and busting rock uh, in a prison yard and living in a cave. He's living in a cave, and an angel appears to him, Jesus appears to him, and Jesus speaks to him, and he writes this letter uh, to all of the churches that he started while he is in prison. So we're in Revelation chapter 12. If you would, let's stand and let's read this this morning. We're going to begin in verse 7. And just to set this up, John here in this particular part of the passage of Scripture is talking about the end of time. He's talking about a final battle that is going to take place. And he says this, then there was war in heaven. So this is the vision he's getting and Jesus is speaking to him about this. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels, and the, the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, also called the devil, or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. And then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice, but terror will come on the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger, knowing that he has little time. Let's pray. God, Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for meeting with us. And in this moment, we ask your Holy Spirit to just speak to each one of us. Uh, church, I want to just pray for people around you. You don't have to do that out loud, but just pray for, let's pray for one another right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, let's pray. God, help us to be open. Help the people around me. Help us to listen to you, God. Help us to hear from you today. And then pray that God would help you to be open. Help me, God, to hear from you. What do you, what do you want to speak to me today? And then finally, I ask you to pray for me as your pastor, that I would be faithful to what God wants me to say, that the Holy Spirit would speak and you wouldn't hear my words, but you would hear him penetrating your heart and he would penetrate my heart and we would leave here changed. And if you're ready to be changed by the power of Jesus, give me a big amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. Well, yesterday I went out into the garage and finally put all our Christmas stuff in the attic. <laughs> yeah, don't look at me with your condescending faces and putting your noses up, people. Come on. Does anybody else still have Christmas stuff out? Hallelujah. Testify, sister. God be with you. We're coming over today to help you, okay? We're going to get that put away. It's just embarrassing. I was like, I got to get this stuff up because I realized 
In just a couple of weeks, it's going to be closer to Christmas than it is from Christmas. I better get the stuff in the attic. And so Laura's bedridden, and, and so I'm out in the, in the garage, and I'm sorting through all of the Christmas stuff. And is it, is it not frustrating getting in the attic and looking through boxes trying to find stuff? Because nothing is labeled right, is it? Like you have three different labels on one box that mean you don't know what it means. Like most of the time I'm up in the attic and Laura's down at the bottom uh, yelling up instructions at me. That, that makes no sense, by the way, because she's five foot nothing. I'm six foot everything. I should be down low. She should be up high. I should, well, I shouldn't be barking at her. She has the right to bark at me. But I'm up there, and, and she's asking me to find, you know, find, find the box that has the sweaters in it. I'm like, I don't see anything marked sweaters. And she's yelling up at me, it's the green tub with the yellow lid. I'm like, I don't see a green tub with the yellow lid. She's like, it's under the ceiling fan. I'm like, I don't see it. And you're looking around, and I'm finding, oh, yeah, I see it. I, fi- I found something. It says sweaters. But it also says kitchen utensils and says something about Texas. We've never been to Texas. Why do we have a box marked Texas? That's it. Bring it down. It's so frustrating. And some of you, some of you are OCD, okay? So you aren't even relating to any of this because you got it all figured out, don't you? Like you got a header across the front of your box. Looks all pretty. Kitchen. You know, and then you got little subheaders below it, do you not? You know, in here is plates and bowls and utensils and another subheading underneath that that says knives and forks. I mean, you got it all. Oh, we, oh, we just love you. Just love you. The rest of us, we just open up a box, throw all our crap in there, and mark it misc. <laughs> do we not? That's that's what we do. But it's so it's so frustrating because you can't I can't find anything. Because it's all mislabeled. And what happens is this, is you, you take all of your, your old stuff out and you put new stuff in it and then you close it up and you write something on it, but you don't, you don't cross out what used to be in it. And so that's what messes up the whole process. Well, we're in this series called The Devil, Demons, and the Boogeyman. And, and what I want to talk about today is this idea from the book of Revelation that the devil, he, he loves to put labels on us. He loves putting labels on us. He loves to stick labels on us about our past, about our, our present, and uh, about our, our future. For, for example, on your, your past, he loves to put a label on you like the word shame. He loves that word. He loves to label your life and your past with this thing called shame. The past couple weeks, I've been uh, listening to the radio, and it's driving me nuts because they keep playing Culture Club commercials. And uh, if you knew this, Culture Club is coming to town. uh, And over and over again, the song has been stuck in my head. Karma, 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 chameleon. You come and who? You come and who? Ah. Over and over again. And we, we hear a song like that, and you're just like, oh, please. For some of you, you hear a song like that, and you're like, oh, please. Because it's a trigger. Because it reminds you of a time when you were somewhere you shouldn't have been doing something you shouldn't have been doing. So a song comes on the radio and the enemy labels you with shame. 
from your past. Sometimes it's a smell, sometimes it's a word, sometimes you just see something, something's on television, or you're in the middle of watching a great movie, and boom, there it is, and, and it's a trigger, and he hits you with the past and, and shame. But he, he doesn't end there. He has other labels he likes to put on us about our, our present uh, words like unworthy. He likes to tell you that nobody cares about you. You're nothing. Oh, you may think you're something, but you are. You're nothing. You know how he does something? This is one of the ways he does this. Like you, you post something on social media, you don't get very many likes. You don't get as many likes as that other person gets. And so you're, you're basing, you're looking at the likes that you got on your picture or on your post, and you, you see that, and, and I just got this many. And he says, see that? You think people like you. you. Even on Facebook, they don't care. They don't care about anything you're doing. And he hits you with that tag of unworthy. But he doesn't stop there. He also talks to us about our, our future. And, he, and when he comes to us with our, our future, he starts with shame, and then he goes to this idea of being unworthy, and then he hits you with this word here, failure. You're never going to amount to anything. Are you kidding me? You got dreams? Dreams? You got stuff you want to do? Really? You're never going to be able to do any of those things. This is, this is what the enemy does. He, he uses these labels to beat us down, to trip us up, and to hold us captive. But here's the thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, here's some good news for you. This is not who you are. This is not the truth of who you are. See, because when you put your faith in Jesus, when you, when you came to Christ, he came and he took your old junk out of the box. He took your old self out and he put your new self in. Not only that, but he put himself in and he changes you. Not only does he change you, but when you come to Christ, he relabels you. He puts a new label on you where, where the devil hits you with, with shame about your past. God comes and he says, shame? Are you kidding me? He hits us with this label, forgiven. He says, yeah, I know, I know. But when he sees your past, this is the label he sees. He didn't see that label. He sees this label. You're forgiven. When it comes to your, your present the enemy hits you with unworthy, but God hits you with this label, okay? This is it right here, loved. I am loved by the Father. He sees you in your current condition, whether you get enough likes or not in your social media posts, he don't care. He says, I love you. I accept you. I approve of you. No matter what you're doing, no matter what's going on, I love you. When it comes to your future, the enemy says, you're going to be a failure. God says, are you kidding me? No, no, you're my child. And he puts this label on us, purpose. He says, you have a purpose. These are the labels that God puts on us. In fact, the apostle Paul says this about it in the book of Romans. He wrote a letter to the church in Rome, and he said this in Romans 8, 33, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. 
Let's say that together. No one. Come on, one more time. No one. Turn to the person next to you and say, nobody accuses you. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. I'd like for you to write this down because this is what I want to camp on for a few minutes. I, I may be accused by the enemy, but I'm accepted by God. I may be accused by the enemy, but I'm accepted by God. This is the truth of who you are if you've placed your faith in Jesus. This is the truth of who you can be if you will place your faith in Jesus. So if this is true, why why do so many of us still believe and identify with our old labels. If that's true, why do we often stand over here? And and let's ask this question. Why does the devil stick labels on us anyway? Why does he do that? What did I ever do to him? What did I ever do to get him on my bad side? Let's talk about that. Revelation chapter 12. Let's go back there. Now, I'm going to do my best here and Many theologians and scholars over the years have tried to interpret Revelation and give their spin on it, and there's a lot of different thoughts about it, and I am not that guy, but I want to do my best because, honestly, when I read Revelation, it it just kind of looks like Harry Potter on steroids, does it not? It's just like crazy. It's like encrypted. It's got metaphors. It's got all these crazy symbols. In fact, in in Revelation chapter 12 and 3 and 4, I'm not going to read that, but in there it talks about this, this red dragon. This red dragon's got seven heads, seven crowns, ten horns. His tail has swept a third of the stars out of the sky. Huh? What? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? What this is talking about there is a war that took place in heaven. See, before we can take on the enemy, we got to know who our enemy is, okay? Before you can attack or stand against the enemy, you got to know who he is. And so what John is talking about right here is he's talking about a war that took place thousands and thousands of years ago. A war after God had created the earth, before man was created, there was this war in heaven. In fact, in Isaiah and in Ezekiel, in the Old Testament, they give us more details about it. Uh, You don't have to write that down, but I encourage you to get the God time this week because in the God time this week is going to be the passages from Isaiah and Ezekiel talking about this war that took place in heaven. But what Isaiah and Ezekiel, they give us the details and they they tell us that the devil, he was this chief angel. He was was a a warrior in, in heaven and he was one of the top dogs in heaven. Not only that, but he was beautiful. He wasn't ugly and gross and detestable like we See the pictures of him? He was actually very beautiful. He was incredibly wise. Uh, he, and, but here's the most important thing. He was created by God. It's important for us to know. We're going to talk about that here in a couple of weeks. That he was created by God, which means this is the truth about the enemy. He's not a God. He's a fallen angel. Okay? He's not a God. There's only one God, and our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and is everywhere, and the enemy is not. We'll talk about that here in a couple of weeks. But what happened is when he was in heaven is he was a pretty good looking guy and he was wise and he was a stud warrior and he thought one day, you know what, I, I'm tired of serving God. Pride grabbed a hold of him is what scripture tells us. Pride grabbed a hold of him and, and he decided, you know what, I'm not going to serve God, I want God to serve me. That right there is the great sin of the church today. 
That's not what I'm preaching on today. But man, that is the sin of the church today. We don't want to serve God. We want God to serve us. And that was the ultimate downfall of the the enemy. So he gathers a third of the angels. That's the, the stars being swept out of heaven. He goes to war against God. He gets his tail whipped. He gets kicked out of heaven, cast down to earth. Him and a third of the angels, they're called fallen angels. That's where we get that word demons. So if you ever wonder, what are demons? Where did they come from? They came from heaven. They were once good. They once served and worshiped God, but they thought that they could take over heaven on their own, and pride got the best of them, and they were swept out of heaven, and now they're fallen, and they're angry, they're ticked off, and the demons that that we hear about are the fallen angels from heaven. And then then you go on and you read in Revelation chapter 12, verses 4 through 9, it's really crazy. It talks about this woman. This woman gives birth. There's this baby, and then the baby is protected, and then the baby ascends to the throne next to God. What is that? Well, what most scholars and theologians will tell you is that is where the enemy, the devil, said, you know what? (laughs) If I'm going to be kicked out of heaven, I heard that there's going to be a son born, And when he's born, I'm going to go after him. It's talking about Jesus, how Jesus was born, and the woman is the nation of Israel, and the Messiah was given to them, and the devil went after Jesus. In fact, he went face-to-face against Jesus in the desert. We'll talk about that next week. He goes face-to-face with with Jesus, but he is defeated there. He can't touch God. I mean, because Jesus, he thought he won when Jesus went to the grave, but he didn't win because Jesus was resurrected on the third day, ascended to the throne in heaven where he sits with God right now. Amen? That's a good amen right there. But he's not done. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says there's going to be one final battle where finally the devil will face his, his final defeat. And it says this in Revelation 12, 10, the second part of that verse, for the the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who, who accuses them before our God day and night. So I, I tell you all this to tell you this. The, the reason the devil is relentless on you is because he couldn't defeat God. So he said, if I can't defeat you, I'm going to take down your kids. I'm going to take down every one of them. If I'm going to be ultimately destroyed, I'm going to destroy them along with me. I am not going quietly into the night. I am going to take as many of them captive as I possibly can. I'm going to trip them up. I'm going to knock them down. I'm going to hold them captive, and I'm taking them with me. If you're not going to let me have heaven, and I'm going to be cast to hell, I'm taking as many people with me as possible. That's why he's on you. That's why he doesn't like you, because you're created in the image of God, and every time he sees you, you are reminding him of who he was defeated by. He doesn't like you because you're a child of God, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Even today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God, created in his image, and he desires to be in relationship with you, and the enemy wants to keep you in defeat. So he's relentless, and he comes after us over and over again. John calls the devil the accuser. In fact, he uses this, this term twice. The, the word accuser here, it means to make charges that bring down and destroy. Last week, we talked about that. Uh, we talked about the apostle Peter and how he wrote how uh, the devil is like a roaring lion uh, seeking who he may devour. And that, that word devour means to consume or to destroy. So the enemy doesn't want to just hurt you. 
he, he wants to destroy you. So he accuses us. He puts labels on us to beat us down, to trip us up, to, to hold us captive. I mean, the de- this word devil actually means um, accuser. And the word accuser here in, in John's letter, another word that can be used for that is uh, the word slander, defame, criticize, hurt, condemn. Have you ever heard those words used against you before? Those are the words of the accuser. And this is exactly what he does. He comes and he accuses and he sticks these labels on us so that he can trip us up, hold us down, and keep us captive. So how does he do that? Well, here's how he does that. He'll come to you and he'll say things like this. Well, if you were a good blank, then you would or you wouldn't blank. Okay, like this. If you were a good parent you would have dinner on the table every night for your family. If you were a good parent, man, you would, you'd keep a cleaner house. If you were a good, if you were a good parent, you, you, know, you wouldn't just go to your kid's games, you'd coach your kid. He comes to you, he accuses you, trying to tell you that you're not good enough. He says, hey, if you were a good parent, you wouldn't yell at your kids. Really? Like, for most of us that happened on the way to church this morning, did it not? Like, you sinned on the way to church, did you not? You're like, get in that seat right now. We're going to worship Jesus. Shut up, because we're going to worship him. Now, be quiet and get in your car seat. And then you walk in, you're like, how y'all doing? Oh, we're just a good godly family. That's who we are. And one of my kids one time were like, Dad, Dad, you're yelling at me. And I was like, I am not yelling at you. I'm just being intense. It's a big difference. But he will, he'll come to you and, and he will accuse you. Oh, if you, were, if, you were a good, if you were a good parent, you know what you'd do? You'd buy name brand snacks for your kids. <laughs> Actually, wait, I'm sorry. That's my kids talking, not the devil talking. I, I get them confused all the time. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my kids. I'm kidding, you know. They're always on me. Oh, really, Dad? Little Debbie Cakes? Really? Really? Clancy again? Clancy is like another name for Satan in our house. Clancy. But he will come to you and he'll, he'll trip you up that way. He'll say, oh, you know what? If you were a good husband, you wouldn't struggle with lust. Now, when I say that, I know for some of you guys, how, how, how did you know that? How did you know that? Because I'm a guy. Because I'm flesh and blood like you. I'm a man. You know what happens at the end of every summer? Every man at the end of summer ends up, every godly man ends up with a big knot on the top of their head at the end of summer. You know why? Because we're always walking with our head down like this. And you like, you look up and you're like, oh, oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, help me. I can't leave. Boom, and you run into stuff all, all the time. You know what he says to you if you're a wife? He says this, if you were a, if you're a good wife, you would, you desire your husband more. By the way, that word desire is the church term. Y'all feeling me? I mean, we don't struggle with that in our home. I mean, my wife, I can't keep her, she can't keep her hands off me all the time. I'm just like, easy, honey. I do have a brain. I do have a brain. Easy, girl. She's not here to defend herself. That's okay. You're single? You're single? Uh, if you were attractive, you'd have a boyfriend. You'd have a, you'd have a girlfriend. 
you'd be married by now if you were, if you were desirable. This is, this is the labels he sticks on us. He says to you, like, you get, most of us going to go to work tomorrow. Oh, if you, were, if you were really good at your job, if you were really good at it, you, you wouldn't keep getting passed over for a promotion all the time. You wouldn't keep seeing your resume put at the bottom of the pile if you were really good at what you do. He even comes to us that are followers of Jesus. Oh, if you were a good Christian, you wouldn't struggle with depression if you were a good Christian. If you were a good Christian, you wouldn't, you wouldn't struggle with doubt, wondering, struggling when you read the Bible, wondering who God is, and you wouldn't do that if you were a, a good Christian. If you were a good Christian, you wouldn't struggle with jealousy, you wouldn't struggle with greed. If you were a good Christian, you wouldn't struggle with giving financially to the church. If you were a good Christian. See, I may be accused by the enemy, but I'm accepted by God. John says he even accuses us before God day and night. He's just relentless. Like, why? And now that's kind of confusing. Why would the devil accuse us before God all the time, day and night? Well, here's what we need to understand God uses um, accusation for our acquittal. That's what he does. He uses accusation for our acquittal. There, there can be no acquittal without an accusation. So here's the picture you need to get is that the devil, day and night, he enters into God's courtroom as the accuser. But, but in Romans, in Romans 8.34, this will be in your God time this week, in Romans 8.34, it tells us that Jesus is there as well. But Jesus isn't the prosecutor. No, G- Jesus isn't, isn't the defense attorney. No, Jesus, you know where Jesus is? Jesus is sitting on a throne right next to God elevated above the enemy in the courtroom. And it says in Romans 8 that he's there pleading on our behalf. So here's the picture I want you to get. The enemy comes into the courtroom and he accuses us. Do you you see what they did? Do you see what she did? Do you see how he's acting? Do you see what I, you you saw that, right, what nobody else saw? And and in that moment, the, the son, Jesus sitting on the throne, turns to God and says, yes, I've seen that but I died for that. And then the enemy comes back again and says, hey, 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 I know you say you died for that, but man, this? Did you see what they did here? And again, Jesus is like, hey, hey, hang on a second here. I died for that too. And God says, acquitted. And then comes back again and again and again and again. Jesus says, I died for that and I died for that and I died for that and I died for that. That's called grace and that's called mercy. The grace of Jesus to die for the sins of of mankind, the grace of God and the mercy of God to say acquitted. This might be what the enemy accuses me of, but I'm acquitted and I have right standing with God over here because of what Jesus did. That's what John tells us in verse 11. And they have defeated him by what? The blood of the lamb and what? Their testimony. We have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and his testimony. The blood of the lamb here being Jesus. Jesus is the lamb. The blood that was shed on the cross for you and for me. And we defeat him by our testimony. In other words, I may be accused by the enemy, but I am accepted by God. My sin and your sin has 
died at Calvary on the cross. This is what Jesus did through the blood of the lamb. Here's what it looks like. is Jesus, through the work of the cross, says, yeah, shame? No, I don't, I don't see shame at all. My blood covers that. There is no shame because I've covered it with my blood at the cross. Unworthy? You're not, you're not worthy? Oh, Jesus says, are you kidding me? No, no, no. I, I have made them worthy because of what? Because of the blood that I shed on the cross. And your future? You think you're going to be a failure? <laughs> Jesus says, are you kidding me? Come on, devil. Come on. You got to have something better than that because the cross, the cross paid for that, and I have got a purpose, and I have got a plan for their life. This is the message of the cross. This is the message of Jesus. We have defeated him by the blood of the lamb. None of this is counted against us because of who Jesus is. So because of that, when the enemy comes to you to remind you, when he comes in and brings his testimony against you of shame and being unworthy and of you being a failure, you can stand there with Jesus and give your testimony. And this is your testimony that I am forgiven. I am loved and I have a purpose. That's your testimony because of the blood of the lamb. I am forgiven. I am loved and I have a purpose. Come on, let's say that together. I am forgiven. I am loved. And I have a purpose. One more time. I am forgiven. I am loved. And I have a purpose. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Thank you for Jesus. None of us can enter into your courtroom except for Jesus. And in this moment, God, would you just search us, God? Would you just pour out your spirit upon your people right now to tell them who they really are? God, may we cast down these labels that are put upon us by the enemy. May we say once and for all, I have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. If you're a follower of Jesus with every head bowed, you you're a follower of Jesus, listen, you may struggle with shame or feeling unworthy or a failure. And today you say, Brad, man, I, 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 I want to embrace who I am. I want a new label. I want to cast off my old label. And I want to embrace the label that God has for me, that I'm forgiven, that I'm loved, and that I have a purpose. And I need God to speak that over me today because I'm struggling. If you'd be honest about that today and say, I'm just struggling and I need him to help me, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? I'm just struggling with that. Thank you. Hands everywhere, all over. Yeah, keep your hand up and let me pray for you right now. Just keep your hand up. God, for those who have their hand raised right now, in Jesus' name, would you just remind them there is no shame, there is no guilt, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. May they receive that today. God, may you speak over them today. I've forgiven that. I don't speak shame over you. I speak forgiven over you. You're loved. I love you. You may feel unloved, but I love you. And I have a purpose for your future. Trust me. Speak that over them, Father. I pray your Holy Spirit would empower them today. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I want to invite you into a relationship with the Son of God. 
Jesus did come, God in human form. And that cross covers your shame, covers your unworthiness, covers your failures. Alone, you're doomed. Alone, you have no hope. But with Jesus, you can have this spoken over you today, forgiven. My sins are forgiven. You can have this spoken over you. I'm loved. I'm loved by the Father. You can have this spoken over you. I have a purpose. I have a future. God is going to help me. So today, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into that relationship with him. If today you'd say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've just been away from him for a very, very long time, and you say, man, I want to come back to him, or I want to put my faith in him for the first time, I won't embarrass you. I just want to know who you are so I can pray for you. Would you just raise your hand right now if you say, man, I need Jesus in my life. I need him. Thank you. See you over here on the side. Here, anybody else? Right here in the front. I got you in the front. Over here on the other side. I got you over here too as well. You put your hand down. Let me pray for you, God. Right now in this moment, I thank you that you invite them into relationship with you. God, in this moment, may they, as they confess their sin to you, as they come running back to you, may they hear those words spoken over them, forgiven. May they hear those words spoken over them by the Father, loved. May they hear the words spoken over them by your Holy Spirit, purpose. God, help them to know today they are your child, forgiven, loved, and with a purpose. Maybe you have some people you know that are far from God. We want to pray for some people that are far from God. I want to pray that God's going to empower you. He's going to give you boldness. He's going to give you moments and times where you can speak to people and where he'll also bring other people across their path. But if you know somebody that's far from God, maybe they're not here today and you want us to pray for them, would you just raise your hand? Because I want to see if we want to pray for some people that are far from God. Okay. God, for those who are far from you, right now you see the hands of your people raised to say, I I will go and I, I will be bold. God, give them moments, give them opportunities to share their faith. And for those that don't know you, you know their names, you know their stories. Would you give them a visitation, God? May they they come to faith in you, we pray, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen.